podcast. I am Camilla, your high vibe advocate. Give me 15 minutes and I will give you a high vibe world. I really don't think it's going to be just 15 minutes and if that's not okay with you, break this up into different segments if you have to, but today's episode is actually very very interesting I think for most people, especially if you're into psychology and if you have been questioning why do you keep going back to bad people or bad relationships? So I have started uh, to watch this Netflix show called Sex Life. And I highly recommend it if you haven't seen it. It's really good. I like it at least. I know the acting isn't perfect, but it's very good. Uh, the storyline is great. And uh, the episode that I watched last night combined with a conversation that I recently had with my childhood best friend inspired me to talk about the curious case of human addiction to toxic relationships. The question we probably have all asked ourselves at some point is, why can't you stop thinking about that person who has effed you over every time? So the answer lies in psychology, and there's actually two main reasons. The first reason is called sunk cost bias. Once you start investing time and energy and emotions, you want a payoff for what your efforts have been. And when you don't get that payoff, then it's painful to walk away empty-handed. And the number two reason is called variable reward. So scenarios that produce unpredictable results release the feel-good hormone dopamine, which is why slot machines are so addictive and it's why stable, predictable partners can sometimes feel boring. So let's talk about them one at a time. Have you ever held on to something that you bought, like a poor-fitting jacket <laughs> because it was so expensive? Or ever just kept reading a book or watching a movie right to the end despite not actually enjoying it? Or have you ever stayed uh, in, in some sort of class or in the course of a business uh, partnership or some sort of strategy primarily because of how heavily you've invested yourself into it? when it was clearly not working? I'm sure you've answered yes to at least some of these. And if you have answered yes to any of these questions, then you've experienced this phenomenon called sunk cost bias. And this phenomenon is our tendency to continue investing in a losing proposition because of what's already cost us. Needless to say, we can all fall prey to this sunk cost bias because we are all innately loss averse. And let's be honest, who wants to take a loss or admit that they've wasted money or energy or years of their life that could have been spent in something better? Biting the bullet and acknowledging that our choice to invest in something or in someone that is no longer serving us is difficult and sometimes agonizingly so. It's why people stay in careers that they loathe and in relationships that leave them lonely and empty. It's why smart people stick with blindingly obvious bad investments far too long, clinging on to this whole investment thing with blind optimism. It's why I have kept numerous shoes and clothes for so long, 
especially the ones that I know will never fit me again, like my double zero jeans from Abercrombie from back in 2005, you know? Um, And I'm sure that you guys have a few things in your wardrobe right now that if you had the choice whether to buy them again, you wouldn't, right? But here's the deal. If you ever find yourself in a hole, stop digging. Because investing more into something that's already not working won't make it better. Rather, every day or dollar that you spend on something or someone that isn't enriching your life in some way is a day that you aren't investing in something or someone that could. The longer that you let your fear of feeling like a failure keep you, you know, from calling it quits, the harder it will become to start over and to begin something new. That's not to say that your initial decision was a mistake, not at all. We often learn far more from the choices that don't produce the outcomes that we want, which a lot of times we call (laughs) our mistakes, than from the choices that do give us what we want. The biggest mistakes people make are actually avoiding all risks, because honestly, that is the number one killer of all potential greatness in life. But another big mistake is also refusing to admit when they have made them. Certainly the most successful people that I have met over the years aren't those who never made mistakes, but they rather are those that are quick to admit them when they do and they fall fast and they quit quickly. Continuing down a path that isn't taking you where you want to go for no other reason than that you've already walked a long way isn't courageous. It's crazy. Sometimes the bravest thing that we can do is to call it a day, learn the lessons and move on. As Richard Branson once said, don't be embarrassed by your failures, but learn from them and start again. So let me ask you, where might you be investing time, talent, money, energy, or skills in something, or especially in a so-called relationship or even a non-relationship, you know, perhaps the idea of a certain someone, primarily because of how much you've already put into it, or even the thoughts you've already put into it? or how long you've known them for, or the times that they were actually there for you. And how might calling it a day free you up to invest in something or someone that could ultimately serve you and the world so much more? So for starters, my advice is to focus on yourself so that you have a clear mind and ability to see when a better match for you has come along. Someone who will ultimately be a much better return on your investment. While calling it quits on something you've invested can be painful, it frees up your resources to pursue new opportunities, you know? It frees up your resources to create fresh beginnings that will make you wonder why you ever held on for so long. And better late than never is absolutely a true statement in life. And then the second psychological reason why we keep on holding on to toxic relationships is known as variable reward. And that is far more difficult to overcome. I mean, it's literally a tactic that both terrorists and military use on their enemies to get into their heads and to earn their loyalty and devotion and sometimes even convert them to their side of the war. Anyone who has watched Homeland remembers when the terrorist leader would have his men beat and torture and starve Brody while he would come in all sweet and caring, you know, the terrorist leader would come in all sweet and caring and giving him a little food and water and some strokes on his cheek. 
And somehow that unpredictability and inconsistent pattern of care and attention literally turned Brody into someone that no one ever thought he would be. And I mean, the women who tend to hook the most men and the men who tend to hook the most women are the ones who drive each other crazy. But there is a science to this madness. And that is what we call variable reward. Or in the case of relationships, we also call it intermittent reinforcement. Imagine that there is a laboratory and in the laboratory, there is a rat in a cage. Scientists in the lab are studying this behavior, right? And in one corner of of the rat cage, there is a, a little lever. And every time that the rat pushes on the lever, a pellet of food comes out. Needless to say, the rat is preoccupied with pushing the lever and getting the pellets that come out every time that he pushes the lever. So the scientists wonder what will happen if they just remove the pellets. And then the rat pushes on the lever and eventually realizes that nothing is going to be coming out, right? No matter how much he pushes the lever, no pellets will come out. So he loses interest and he preoccupies himself with something else. So the scientists start to wonder what would happen if they make the pattern unpredictable. What if sometimes, but unpredictably, when the rat pushes the lever, a pellet comes out and sometimes it doesn't? They imagine that the rat would become frustrated and eventually lose interest in the lever. But the fact is that the opposite happened because this is a real experiment. So in this experiment, again and again, each rat became absolutely anxiously obsessed with the lever and neglected all of its other grooming habits and started deteriorating. The rat was engaging in, you know, in this intermittent reinforcement experiment and this intermittent reinforcement experiment had created an addiction. Also, when the scientists first gave the rat intermittent reinforcement and then later gave them the continuous reinforcement of no pellets, which previously had yielded them to just lose interest, in response to to, to them pressing the lever, the rat stayed obsessed with the lever despite receiving nothing. So the rat had grown accustomed to periods of time when no reinforcement was given, but the intermittent reinforcement had created a persistence in the face of resistance. In other words, they overcame that previous ability to lose interest because of the addiction that that one moment, that one experiment of intermittent reinforcement had created on them. Intermittent reinforcement also applies to things like rules and personal boundaries that are only reinforced inconsistently, unpredictably, and occasionally. And this causes people to become confused and either become terrified about how to interact with the other person who's setting the rule or boundary or conversely to push the limits until they get what they want from that person who's setting the rule or boundary. And as I mentioned in the lab rat experiment, um, intermittent reinforcement creates addiction. Think about gambling. Gambling is an addiction that rests on the laurels of intermittent reinforcement. If you are sitting at a slot machine, you may try to predict the pattern of reward, but you can't. It is randomized, but the high that comes as a result of the experience of that random reward creates obsession. You become owned by the game. Intermittent reinforcement can happen with any need or want that we may have. It is especially prevalent in relationships relative to emotional needs. Needs like connection, belonging, appreciation, affection, and commitment to just name a few, right? So people fear intimacy, you know, or those people who do, like some people fear 
intimacy and they struggle with insecure attachments like avoidant attachment, for example. And when this is the case, they subconsciously try to get away from the fear that comes up in the relationship by gaining control in the relationship. And they do this by intermittently reinforcing their partner. They have no idea that they're in fact doing this. They part, their partner ends up uh, at their mercy and desperate for the occasional closeness that they grant. And an example of this would be like um, a man who spends a wonderful night with you and you talk and you connect on a deep level one day. And the next day he doesn't return your phone calls and acts like you're strangers and he pulls away. And then randomly is able to connect again, especially when he senses you pulling away. This is the classic hot and cold relationship, and it usually falls into this category. So what we have to wake up to is that some of us are in relationships that are based on intermittent reinforcement. In this kind of relationship, the things that we need, like love, are only granted inconsistently, unpredictably, and occasionally. But the fact that they are granted occasionally keeps us hooked. We are owned by the relationship. We build up so much despair and starvation that when we get a single scrap, the relief we experience by getting a scrap feels like nirvana. And we begin to chase that feeling and do nothing, you know, or do anything that we can do to get it and do nothing else, right? So if you are in this kind of relationship, you are either the scientist, you know, in the case of the lab rat example, you're either the scientist who's tormenting the rat with the potential of pellets, or you are the rat in the cage caught in a cycle of torment. So, you know, no matter what, if you are in an intermittent reinforcement relationship, you are in a toxic relationship. Toxicity is usually not the conscious intent, but it's still a toxic relationship nonetheless, right? It's still toxic. Intermittent reinforcement creates a starvation within the being, which puts the person who is in charge of the reinforcing in a position of complete and absolute control. You will always see intermittent reinforcement present in an abusive relationship. And these relationships, like you know, the ones with narcissists, are the hardest to walk away from because by nature, it's not a relationship. It's an addiction. The relationship is... An addictive relationship and by walking away the body is actually forced to go into withdrawal just like you would if you were addicted to any sort of drug there is and the person who is on the opposite end of the reinforcement will stay in the relationship deteriorating desperately trying to figure out the pattern of the reinforcement so that they can control the conditions of the relationship so that they can get the thing that they need or want from the partner to come out consistently. And mixing the analogies, for example, if I notice that I don't get any pellets when this certain friend is around, you know, then I will get rid of the friend so that I can get the pellets from my partner. So the person on the receiving end of the intermittent reinforcement may change everything about themselves and lose themselves completely so as to do this. Like you might actually stop doing things you love to do if you start to notice that you get more attention when you don't do them, you know? And the good news is, just like with any addiction, there is a way out, but it's not easy. If you are in an intermittent reinforcement relationship, there is no middle ground. Consistency is the only answer. Either consistency needs to be developed or you need to cut loose from this relationship. Consistency is critical for any relationship. 
right? So you, you cannot create a secure relationship without it. So either you are with a partner who is willing to be conscious of this pattern and consciously change it, or you, or, you know, you would have to change it if that's you, or you are with an abusive partner who has no intention to change this pattern. And they have no intention of changing this pattern because it serves them to stay in control and to keep you as the rat in the cage with its paws obsessively on the lever so that they can ensure that their needs are met. And if you are with this kind of partner, you have reason to be afraid because you cannot trust them because they in fact intend either consciously or subconsciously to betray your best interest for their own aim, to control you completely. And this desire to control you also has its roots in trauma. But before you fall into the whole codependent pattern of thinking, you know, that you can heal them, it must be known that that's highly unlikely to happen. You know, it's very unlikely that anyone, least of all you, will be able to do this. You will be unable to do this because controlling you benefits them. And controlling you is how they avoid their own shadows. And the only person who can decide to face their own shadows is them. And one step further, most of these people will tell you that they're going to face their own shadows because telling you that they're going to do that is more intermittent reinforcement in and of itself. They have no actual intention of facing their own shadows. It's just that promising that they will and making it seem like they are is like a rat palette. It serves to keep you hooked. Sometimes like it could be unintentional. They might, they might think they're doing it, but they're still unable to because they haven't healed their inner trauma. And if you've been investing in your belief, you know, in something that you hope will happen and not in your observation of what is actually happening, you need to watch out. Like nourishing the hope preserves the status quo and you are in a relationship with a fantasy. This is not conscious creation. This is in fact a form of denial. It will be extremely difficult to move past this relationship because it is not a relationship, right? Like I said, it's an addiction. You will go through withdrawals from the chemicals that your own body produces, you know, like the dopamine, and you'll fall into the very thing that you're trying to avoid by engaging in the relationship, just like a street drug addict when they choose to quit using. So don't be hard on yourself if it feels like you've lost yourself in the relationship and like your life falls apart by leaving them. Surround yourself with supportive people who are open to understanding the difficult dynamic of addictive relationships and whom don't unfairly expect you to just get over them as if you could just flip a switch. When you manage to break free though from this kind of relationship, you will feel like you have come out of a parallel reality just like an addict feels when they finally become sober. You will be able to think clearly. You will begin to feel yourself coming back from being lost like you've found yourself again. Knowledge is power. And I just really hope that today's episode brought you at least some validation that if you are currently in a toxic relationship or if you are currently unable to forget a toxic person and will likely fall victim to that person at their whim once again at some point and then you'll feel terrible about yourself for it, at least you know that it's not uncommon and it's not your fault and there is a way out. Even animals are pre-wired to fall victim to these behaviors. But as humans, we are blessed with knowing and recognizing and reflecting and deciding to break this pattern in our own heads through a little hard work. 
And I promise you that this hard work will be worth it. And that is all we have for today. Thank you for being with me and for listening to me and for being a part of my journey. I am Camilla, your High Vibe Advocate. Looking forward to your outreach at HighVibeAdvocate.com and your follow on Instagram at HighVibeAdvocate. And as always, looking forward to our next meeting right here on my channel. See you next Wednesday.